Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi there, and welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Leah. She's a naturopath, and we're going to let her introduce herself a little bit further so we can understand more how she works. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So um, yeah, my name is Dr. Leah Gordon. I'm a naturopathic doctor and I focus on fertility, women's hormones, libido, and just optimizing women along their path through womanhood. And that's my, my biggest passion and why I feel like I'm here to, to do the work of the world. That's so awesome. I'm, I left her a message earlier saying like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to you about all of those things. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to have time to, to talk through it all. But um, so let's, where do you want to start, Dr. Leah? Oh gosh. I mean, it just depends. There's so much to share. Um, so it kind of depends on what you want to focus on. We can talk about women's hormones. We can talk about fertility, IVF, um, all sorts of things. So why don't we start with your IVF journey, just because most of our listeners are kind of on the same path. So they can see that overlap as far as relating to you in that way. So tell us yeah. your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I have actually a full series on my Instagram page talking about our story because it's quite long, but I'll summarize it um, as quickly as I can. But basically, um, my husband and I had been struggling with infertility for a long time. I actually found out about his low sperm count when I was in medical school um, under a microscope, actually his oh, sperm really? was non-existent, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, it was a very interesting way to find out. We didn't know that we were having fertility problems at the time. We weren't even trying. Um, and that kind of put us down this really unique and interesting path of unraveling why his sperm was non-existent in that microscope that day. And um we went through many different doctors, lots of different paths and being a root cause natural based doctor, I was determined to figure out why, you know, what was mm -hmm. going on. And, um, you know, we weren't as quick to jump into IVF because we weren't quite ready, you know, to, sure. we, we hadn't even started trying. So after I learned about his sperm, we're like, okay, well, let's just try to try to have a baby because yeah maybe we just will, you know, yeah. it'll be a miracle. Um, and mm -hmm. that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, many, many years, um, once I graduated, you know, I had the tools then to order labs and do all sorts of things. And so we were mm -hmm. just trying to figure out what was going on with him. And it took about six years before we really discovered what was happening and finally came to the conclusion and understanding that IVF was going to be the only way that we could have children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so he has lots of different things present, but one of the biggest obstacles is he has a CF mutation, cystic fibrosis, meaning the mm. vas deferens, the tube from the testicles out to the outside world, um, doesn't work super great. He also had varicoceles and heavy metals. Like there were all these other things mm. going on too. 
Um, but with that, there really wasn't going to be a way for us to have children naturally. And so it took me a while to come to the, you know, acceptance of, of going through IVF. Um, I help women become natural, pregnant naturally all the time, even yeah. though now I have a, a large amount of IVF patients too. So um, yeah, and we went through IVF last October and now I am 11 weeks pregnant. Congratulations. Yeah. That's yes. so exciting. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's so personal. And um, like I said, most of our listeners are going down some sort of path, whether it's, you know, male factor and or themselves or whatever it may be. So thank you for sharing that and kind of letting them into your experience a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And there are pieces in my story too. Like I had a uterine polyp. I have polycystic ovaries. Um, I wouldn't consider myself PCOS. There's mm-hmm. a difference there. Um, and so there were factors on my side too, but yeah, it's, I definitely <laughs> know what it feels like to, to go through the gamut and yeah, our journey was about seven years almost of unraveling. So I totally feel for all of you out there who are on your journey, trying to conceive, it can be very frustrating. And I hope that my story is a beacon of hope for you that it's possible. I want to talk a little bit about like male factor infertility. I just don't know a lot about it because um, yeah. I've been through IVF three times, but it's me. So um, it for a man, a man's diagnosis, you said you were going to different doctors trying to figure out what the problem was. Um, is that pretty much the same for women? Like, can they have um, like unexplained fertility as well, where they just cannot figure out the root of the problem? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So male factor infertility is. 45 to 50% of the infertility cases, Mm -hmm. yet most doctors don't really take men into the consideration until much later when they've kind of ruled everything out. They're like, oh, maybe it's your partner, which I think is an inappropriate way to approach fertility because it's, you know, two to tango. Mm -hmm. So um, I, with my patients, I always start with a sperm analysis, a comprehensive sperm analysis, just off the bat, because oftentimes, even if a female has an issue, they'll just chase that and they won't ever look at the man. And sometimes it's both. Mm -hmm. So you can't neglect his role in it. And so it starts with a sperm analysis and that can give you a lot of information right off the top because um, there's different types of male factor infertility, the like classic and most easy to fix, but also is a huge obstacle is just quality of sperm. So that could be shown in the motility. So how well the sperm swims. Mm -hmm in the actual like anatomy of the sperm, it's called the morphology. So like, are there two heads? Are there like three tails? <laughs> What's going on? And then the count, um, and that's like the volume. So uh, the sperm levels have been decreasing shockingly over the last few decades, uh-huh. yet they keep moving the normal range so that oh, it doesn't think. seem as alarming as it should be. But like our father's and grandfather's yeah. sperm count was significantly higher than men today. And so there's lots of factors that can affect that, such as, you know, your nutrition, simple things like getting the right B vitamins, exposure to chemicals and toxins, exposure to heat. So there's all these like lifestyle pieces, and that is often really quite simple to solve. Then you get into the more complex things. Like there's a whole spectrum of men that have genetic issues, you know, and those are things that are run usually quite quickly with a fertility doctor. There's anatomical things like varicoceles where there's veins that like build up and then that creates heat and blockages for the sperm. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes there's idiopathic infertility, meaning we don't know. 
And in my husband's case, there was the thought that there would be sperm in the testicles, even though there weren't any in the ejaculate. Mm -hmm. And that is the case for some men, but that's pretty rare that like even through IVF, that a couple will have to do what's called TESI, testicular, it's like a testicular retrieval and then they use ICSI. So they actually go in surgically to remove sperm from testicles. So, but that does happen and that is an option for men who are having issues with, with sperm, yeah. And just curious, like, what are your appointments look like? Cause I've, you know, well, obviously cause of COVID too, I go to all my appointments by myself. So are you both going to the appointments and together because it is both of like, you're doing the meds and like, it's him, like, how does that work? Oh gosh, COVID, it's so <laughs> Um, So for most of our investigation of his case, there wasn't COVID, right? So right. we had gone through all of those appointments together. You know, I went to lots of different male factor well there's not many i went to the few male factor infertility specialists and you know we would be there together and um since covid started so we were planning to start ivf in march of 2020 so at that point we had like gone to a few doctors together by the time you know covid hit we were delayed and we actually decided to go to a different clinic because they were never going to take us because we just weren't on their priority list so we decided to switch doctors. And from that moment on, it was just me by myself, except for when he had to go in for surgery, it was him by himself. So, <laughs> and we both had different surgeries and procedures. It was sad. It's, and like, he yeah. can't be there for the first ultrasound. It's, oh no. and it's like, you know, my husband is like the sweetest and he wants to be a dad more than anything in the whole world. And this journey has been really, really hard for him. And it was really hard for him that he couldn't be there for things like that. So yeah, it's, it's sad. <laughs> it is. I'm so sorry you guys had to have that experience. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, so many people are going through it, but yeah, it's, it's a bummer. It is. So tell us what, what do you focus most on in your practice? Where, like, what is the majority of your patients come in to see you for? So my, I have, <laughs> I have what I like share with the world and I have my secret little sneaky <laughs> mission of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we so... want to hear both. <laughs> So my sneaky mission of what I'm doing uh -huh. is my passion is to help women and men, but I focus mostly on women optimize their health prior to becoming pregnant. Mm -hmm. I feel like that window of time is such a powerful time yes. in, in a woman's life because when she can balance her hormones and her gut health and her mood and learn how to eat well and learn how to have positive self-talk and and all of the different things that it takes to create a healthy life, those practices impact her future children if she decides to have children, yes. her family unit, you know, women for the most part, not in every household, but they're often the ones buying the food and the products and, you know, they're, they're a big role in the family. And so the reason my practice is called tribe medicine is I really see women as like the pivotal point in affecting their whole tribe, their whole community. Okay. And so that's my like secret mission. But, um, you know, I love seeing patients who are like on the infertility journey, but sometimes we don't have a lot of time because women want to be pregnant right now. Right. And yeah. so when a woman comes into me and I'm like, oh my goodness, like your microbiome, which is the bacteria in your gut is just all over the place. Or you're, you know, have really high toxic load, or it's going to take us a long time to kind of, uh, teach you how to change the way you eat or to balance your hormones, which takes time. Mm -hmm. Um, I really try to catch women before it's like not too late. It's, there's never too late. You can always start, but 
before you're pregnant, because once you're pregnant, you just can't do a lot of these changes and then you're breastfeeding mm-hmm. and then you maybe you're pregnant again. And so yeah. that I really want to catch women before that. So given that I like to focus on what is bothering women in that stage of their life, which mm-hmm. I find is hormonal imbalance, whether that's period problems, mm-hmm. painful periods, PCOS, irregularity, low libido, which is a huge passion of mine because of an own personal uh, journey. Um, just optimizing preconception gut health. So I get a lot of people, I work Mm -hmm. on their gut because the root of everything is really in the gut. So yeah, I get a lot of women who come to me for just hormonal imbalance, low energy. They just don't feel right. They have painful periods. They have digestive complaints. They have anxiety, depression, like all of these kind of vague symptoms that a traditional Mm -hmm. doctor doesn't really help them with, Mm -hmm. or their only solution is the birth control pill. Um, I also help a lot of women get off birth control or if my patients choose to stay on them, supporting them so that they're not being depleted and affected by it. That's amazing. So I had a long history with gut health myself and that in and of itself is such a hard and exhausting path, right? Because it's like endless, you know, you can do all the scopes, you can do the colonoscopies, you can do all the things and depending on who you're talking to, they all kind of have a different opinion. And if if it's an Eastern doctor or Western doctor, that's different too. And Mm -hmm. I spent a good seven years of, you know, chronic diarrhea, like nine times a day um, and bloat and everything, trying to figure it out. I finally ended up getting SIBO Mm -hmm. um, on top of all of this and literally went to four different States to try to get it diagnosed um, because it wasn't really a thing, you know, it wasn't spoken about too much. What is SIBO? Um, Small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately the, the um, antibiotics for it are so hard on your body. And I had to do three rounds of it. And my body doesn't do well on antibiotics as it is. Mm -hmm. I get crazy yeast infections and it's awful. So it was just this big cycle of so much. And so when I hear somebody who really digs into gut health and Mm -hmm. what that means, I'm, you know, I'm so happy to hear that because so many people feel like what they're going through is normal when really it's not normal. Yeah. Right. Definitely not. And And I would say most people who come to me, no matter what their issue is, there is something mm -hmm. rooted in the gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about how the gut is related to fertility? Because I think a lot of people don't understand that correlation too much. Yeah. So when I talk about the gut, a lot of what I talk about and what I work on is the microbiome. So for instance, like in your case, a lot of people who have gut issues go to a traditional gastroenterologist and they get a scope done. You know, mm-hmm. they get an endoscopy if it's upper, they get a colonoscopy if it's lower and they're looking for like obvious physical signs. You know, do you have polyps, do you have Crohn's, do you have ulcerative colitis? But most people don't. So they're diagnosed with IBS and IBS is a vague term in their regard that they have no treatment for. <laughs> That's kind of where our work begins. Naturopathic doctors are very well positioned to support gut health. And so when it comes to IBS, usually there's a microbiome imbalance. And that means you can have an overgrowth of what we call like not so good bacteria um, or an undergrowth of good bacteria. You might have parasites or yeast overgrowth or something like SIBO, like in your situation where the bacteria is migrated up into the small intestine. And um, all of those things can impact fertility for lots of different reasons. One, some of those not so good bacteria create inflammation and inflammation can 
wreak havoc on your hormones. It can prevent absorption of nutrients, which you need to make enough progesterone, which holds a baby. Um, the microbiome itself actually impacts your ability to conceive and hold a baby. We have a microbiome in our vagina and our uterus and our ovaries. There's some amazing new research. We used to think that it was sterile in the uterus, but that's not the case. And even in IVF, we're finding the types of bacteria present in your body really impact implantation and um, the growth of baby in utero. So the gut health is, there's so many factors, right? It's how well you can break down and absorb your nutrients. It's the inflammation piece. It's the hormonal component. So your neurotransmitters and hormones are intimately connected to your gut health. Mm -hmm. And for instance, like estrogen, um, the gut plays a huge role in estrogen. And if you have too high of estrogen, which can be seen in like endometriosis or sometimes in PCOS, um, you know, managing your gut health can be a huge player in that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's connected on so many different levels. Yeah. And I just, so whoever's listening, if you do have any sort of imbalance that you're aware of, definitely get that checked out. It's worth, you know, checking in with a naturopathic doctor to see if there's anything related in your specific case in regard to the correlation for your fertility between yeah. your gut health and that. Because again, also your visceral system is working overtime if you're having yeah. any sort of gut health. And all of that energy is taking away from your pre reproductive area, and which is exactly mm -hmm. what we don't want to happen. So to get that balanced is so important. Yeah. I'm exactly. glad we talked about that. I've always had like this conscious like feeling that I do have something going on because I do have like irregular bowels. I do have like, I am tired, but I always kind of correlate it back to my thyroid because I was, I have mm -hmm. thyroid you know, um, I was born without a thyroid actually. So oh, wow. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I always kind of like think like, oh, it's gotta be that, but I do always kind of feel like, okay, something in my gut is going on. Um, and if you're not like a gastro, how do you just do a blood test? Like, how do you like kind of figure out what's going on with them? So, um, we're trained in all of the same kind of diagnostic tools. However, we look at it from a different perspective and we use different kind of tools. So I usually let traditional gastroenterologists do the classical colonoscopies, endoscopies, that kind of thing. What okay. we do a lot of is the, the place I usually start is actually a stool analysis culture. So okay. there is something called DNA PCR, which some people might be familiar with PCR because of COVID. Um, PCR tests basically look at the genetics of what's present. So you can do a stool test and see like what types of bacteria, yeast, parasites, and all of that are present in your gut. Okay. Um, and so that is where I start. So certain tests like Genova um, Diagnostics is a test that I use. GI effects is the test. Um, mm -hmm. GI MAP is another test by... Oh my gosh, Diagnostic Solutions is the brand. Those are my two go-tos that I use most of the time. Um, if it's something that I suspect like SIBO, there's breath tests that you can do where you can actually blow and see the types of gases that your bacteria is making. Oh, wow. That's so generally where we start. And then we okay. use herbs. I mean, I rarely use antibiotics. Sometimes in certain SIBO cases, I will use Rifaximin, which is the antibiotic that is commonly used. But typically we're using herbs, diet, um, Sometimes people have food intolerances. So for mm -hmm. instance, someone might react to dairy, you know, they might be lactose intolerant or maybe like eggs really bother them, but they don't know. And so that can, can contribute to a lot of gut symptoms outside of the microbiome. So we're using herbs to reduce bad bacteria, parasites, yeast. We're using probiotics, prebiotics, and food to bring up the good guys 
and just rebalancing the gut. I have a whole series on my Instagram as well, talking about an analogy of a field when it comes to okay. gut health. So um, you can check that out at Dr. Leah Gordon on Instagram. So yeah, it's, it's a different approach than just throw antibiotics at it. Same thing no, like no. Ba balancing the vagina. You know, I get a lot of people with BV and yeast and you don't just like pour bleach over the field, right? <laughs> like that's kind of what happens. Right. And you just give someone um, a straight up antibiotic for things like BV because BV, bacterial vaginosis, is actually a dysbiosis of the, of the bacteria in your vagina, similar to the gut. So it's all connected and important prior to pregnancy. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm thinking like, I need to go talk to you too, because every, when I, from my last, well, every pregnancy I took, um, what did I take the progesterone, but I uh -huh. took it vaginally. So uh -huh. again, with somebody who's chronic yeast, then that went all the way through my pregnancies basically. Yeah. And still I'm a year past and it's still like coming and going. I just went back to the doctor a few months ago, but for me, I'm also allergic to Diflucan, which is usually mm -hmm. the medication that they give for that. So it puts right. me in a really tough situation because I try to use other antifungals. And so I feel like I'm on this chronic wheel for the last however long, because yeah, everything's kind of been messed up from my pregnancies with doing the progesterone and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I might be knocking on your yeah. door. <laughs> yeah. And I actually created a course, um, on oh. rebalancing the vaginal microbiome. You can access it all on my Instagram page and my, um, bio. So I have a, a program awesome. on hormone balancing and also one on vaginal rebalancing, because that's one of the top reasons women come to me. And it's, you know, a simple protocol that I usually start people with that. I'm like, you don't need to pay me thousands of dollars, you know, like here's, here's the protocol. So if oh, anyone's great. interested, um, yeah, it's called the lady part repair protocol. So oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I, love that. that's cute. I saw that you also do moon medicine. So I just kind of yeah. want to talk about it because I have no idea what that is. And I'm sure there's other people that are curious <laughs> too. So do you want to yeah. share a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So, um, moon medicine is the program that I created around balancing your monthly hormones. And okay. we have a monthly cycle that connects to the moon and follows the cyclical pattern of the lunar cycle. And a lot of women maybe don't know how connected their body is to nature, how we're meant to be so connected to nature. And we're many of us aren't as much anymore because of artificial light and all sorts of things. But in that program, I talk a lot about what your hormones are actually doing. So I teach what changes are happening through each phase of the cycle. And we have four unique phases in every monthly cycle. And things change. Our, our actual hormones change. Our mood shifts, the way that we should move, eat, and exercise, the types of activities, because our hormones dictate and drive that. For instance, in our follicular phase, which is the time after we bleed, that's when estrogen is ramping up. And estrogen is like a very good, feel good, flirtatious, social, get things done kind of hormone. And so we wanna eat fresh spring-like foods because that's like the springtime of the lunar cycle. We want to focus on you know productivity. This is a great time to go on dates and do all sorts of things. Um, I show the actual like scientific patterns because I think it's important for women to understand what's going on in their bodies and then I talk a lot about like the connection to the moon and how we as women are meant to be connected to each other and to nature and how that plays such an intimate role in our hormonal balance 
So yeah, my moon medicine program. And then I have a meal plan that matches the four phases of the, so of the cycle. Cool. Yeah, oh my God. The, I that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. As well as I, I have heard that it is related to work as well. Work and rest, uh -huh. right? Yeah. So like you're more productive in certain cycles and in other cycles, you should step away from your work as much because you won't be as productive and just try to lay low for a little bit and yeah. really start to navigate that. And if you are managing other women, keeping that into consideration of like when you're pushing them versus when you should ease up on that a little bit. So there's a, so much around that. It's fascinating to me. I, I can't yeah. wait to learn more about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, you know, we, as women have monthly lunar hormonal cycles, whereas men have 24 hour cycles for the most part. And so our work day and our work life is based off of the male cycle, which is every day is the same. And you can push yourself right. the same every day. Right. And that's just not how we function, but we, as women are really powerful. So mm -hmm. as, as much as we need rest during our like menstrual phase, we are incredibly uber powerful, super creative producers during like the follicular and the first part of the luteal phase. And so learning when yours is and how to connect and tap into that can really increase productivity in your work or your life. And yeah, being just more conscious of that as entrepreneurs or in the workplace, if you have more control of your schedule, or even just if you work, you know, for someone else being mindful of when you accept meetings and those kind of things, it's, mm -hmm. it will really change your hormones because a lot of times when women come to me for PMS, you know, PMS, you know, there's lots of different acronyms, but it's like, please move slower. Right. <laughs> it's like your body's upset that like, you're not listening to it. Mm -hmm. And if you're really I emotional, you know, there's something that, cause we're really good at, as women at like stuffing stuff down and mm -hmm. we just push through it. And it's culturally taught to us that like, oh, you're struggling during this time. Like you're just being a girl, you know, it's like all of these horrible mm -hmm. things, but I see it as the body's being very intelligent and it's the time prior to your period that you're more um, intuitive. The parts of your brain actually work differently at that time because of the different hormonal changes. And so you're more connected to your intuition and to your emotional body. And that's for a purpose because it is what helps you to process and release what doesn't serve you. And this is all evolutionarily beneficial to us, right? Because we carry life, whether you ever decide to have a child or not you can't just like be in an abusive relationship and survive, you know, like you need to like be aware of what's going on. Like, so when you get mad at your boss at that time, it's probably <laughs> for a reason, like there's something you're not paying attention to. And so how do we tap into the wisdom of, of our hormones? And you said like, we as women are all connected and everything is kind of intertwined. So do you really think like, I always notice too, like I'll be like almost a week early on my period. Cause I'm hanging out with my girlfriend all the time. Who's on her period. Do you truly believe that? Like yeah. if you hang out yeah, and are kind of surround yourself with that? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different anecdotal things, certain studies of like, it's really hard to study that in a context uh -huh. where you have to have people like living together, right. but we as women know, you know, like when you live it with women in college or at different times, like you start to sync together and we mm -hmm. all were meant to kind of sync together and with the moon. And there's different reasons for that, which I talk about in the moon medicine program, but our bodies are so sensitive to everything, sensitive to light, sensitive to our environment, sensitive to each other. The theory is that it's through pheromones. So like the smells that we can connect um, and start to sync together as women, there's probably a lot we still don't understand. You know, I think 
our bodies are amazing and nature is so fascinating and we think we're so smart but there's so much more that we don't understand but yes i do think that that's a thing and it doesn't happen all the time and different women have different reasons like a pcos person isn't just naturally going to start having normal cycles because she lives with a normal (laughs) cycling woman but um if you have normal cycles and you're in a normal hormonal state then yeah i do find that they sync up often with other women and it's, it's so cool so my poor dad had five women in the house. So <laughs> yes. needless to say, on a monthly basis, it was a little crazy. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. That's so funny. Well, this is where the concept of the red tent ceremony came from, right? Because back in the day, women really did cycle together. So they could all gather together and, and bleed and share wisdom and connect and nourish each other. We often menstruate in isolation these days. And that's, it's tough mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where can people find you, Dr. Leah? Um, yeah. So my Instagram is Dr. D-R Leah, L-E-A-H Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, all one word, Dr. Leah Gordon. Um, my practice website is tribemedicine.com and my online education website is womanhoodwellness.com. Um, but if you're interested in any of my programs, you can go to my Instagram in the bio or for Moon Medicine, you can go to joinmoonmedicine.com. And yeah, that's kind of where I hang out for the most part. (laughs) That's awesome. And so much helpful information. Thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Thank you. We will be in touch soon. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today and we will see you next time.